Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. And man, Rob, I got to be honest with you, I'm excited because it feels good to look right at you. Oh, thanks, Chris. It feels great to look at you. I'm excited. I'm excited because we're back. We're in person. We won a couple games for a change. Yeah. Didn't expect to be saying that this early on, but hey, the team is back. The team is excited. Is the team back? I feel like the team is getting there. They're getting there. Well, they're, they're getting we'll there. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But, man, it feels good. What a difference a week makes. Yes. Like, what a difference it makes to be recording this in person, not having to edit this remotely. Yeah. I mean, that's what the people want to hear about today. Not Villanova basketball, about our editing process. Yes. So that's what we're going to spend the most of the podcast where on. Where I spent 12 hours over the course of Thanksgiving Eve and Thanksgiving the day itself. Yes. Ignoring my family and editing this podcast. As you should. I'm glad your priorities in the right place. <laughs> God. <laughs> in all seriousness, thank you. If you if you dealt with it, if you listened to the last podcast, we told you to set expectations low. So we don't thank you and we don't apologize. Yeah, we're, we're definitely not apologizing. No. But anyway, you can raise the expectations slightly now. Slightly. Like the team. Like the team. Right. As we should. Yep. And I think we're good to go. Let's get started. Let's get started. Yeah. So... I don't know how you could start with anything other than the fact that it was a really rough weekend for the Jay Wright sucks and should pay Quinterly over Colin Gillespie crowd. <laughs> yes, definitely. Right? Like a lot of people on Twitter saw the tweet, whatever, fine. But man, rough weekend for that crowd. Great weekend for the benefit of the doubt to Jay Wright crowd. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's where we got to start. Yeah. First off. We played Canisius, went well. I don't think we get to focus too much on yeah, that no, no, game. No. Uh, but then we got into uh, playing Oklahoma State. Yeah, not they're not a, they're not a good no, team. No, they were by picked the way. dead last in yes. the Big Ten, but did record wins over both Memphis and ranked LSU. Yep. In the tournament, so I think people's expectations overall for OK State has actually elevated yep. after that tournament. They only got – we just smoked them, but – We did, yeah. Yeah. So that was the only thing, and there's no shame in losing to Villanova. Yes, this week at least. This week. <laughs> this week, there's no shame in losing to us. Last week, uh, not so much. Last week, shame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And then we played um, Florida State. Exciting, riveting game, but low scoring. Yeah. Um, definitely a slugfest, and it was great. I mean – what an atmosphere. Rob, you were there in person. Tell us a little bit about the atmosphere. I was in Disney um, for the team to watch the game. It was amazing. So if you've never been to the ESPN Zone Wide World of Sports Arena, which there's really no reason you should unless you happen to live in Florida and play like high school soccer and you have a tournament there, it's actually a pretty cool venue for a game like this. So the stadium seats like a few thousand people. It basically feels like um, almost some cross between a high school gym and the Palestra. It was 70% Nova fans for the championship, even though Florida State was a couple hours away, right? Yeah. I think the Florida State fans were still trying to figure out how to vote. Oh, trying to vote and, and getting over their first losing football season in like 40 years or something like that. Yeah. We wouldn't know anything about that, though, not being a football school. Regardless, the stadium was 70% Nova people. And 70% Nova people who were all jacked up to be there. The place was bumping. It was way better than being at the Pavilion, let me tell you. Because everybody who was there paid money to be there and was just like fucking going crazy. Although I will say there was like no swearing because it was Disney. They made sure that was clean. But yeah, it was awesome. We just drowned people out. We had our two chance, let's go Nova and defense going all game. I heard that. We heard that, yep. We're on the refs. Not the refs. surprising that the that the Disney regulated the cursing. Because yeah. unlike this podcast, family friendly oriented mm. Disney, this podcast not for the faint of heart. I will say, being family friendly, my family keeps asking about the podcast. They're like, oh, we want to listen to your podcast. I'm like, one, you didn't go to Villanova. 
Two, you don't follow a villain of a basketball. Three, you don't want to hear me curse every other word, so you really shouldn't listen to this, but they keep listening. It's not family-friendly, as we've established. Anyway, all right, back to the game. Atmosphere, bumping. Villanova came out firing, literally. It was like 10-2 to 2 to open the game. Yeah, it was. A, we jumped out to an early lead. We looked great. Yeah, coming out, it was great. And then shit kind of got under control from the Florida State perspective. It did, yeah. Um, so, tale of two different games, though. Oklahoma State, we were firing, shooting the ball, shot 43s, which is literally a record. And then we went and shot 14 threes the next game. Yeah. Totally different games. It's like we have uh, a coach who knows what he's doing. No, no, you can't say that. <laughs> you can't say that these days. You can't say that these days. Heresy. Not politically correct until Javon Quinterly plays no less than 20 minutes. <laughs> this coach knows no has no idea what he's doing. Oh, God. <clears throat> so... Tell two different games, but the one thing that was consistent throughout this is Jay slowed the pace down, and I think that was critical. So last season's offense, high octane, one of the higher tempo offenses and basketball teams that we had, excellent offensively, like like historically good offense. Yeah. Defense solid, came along, got good when it needed to be good. This year's team, more slower tempo. Not like Virginia slow, but thank God. But per, <laughs> no, nobody needs to see that. No, no one needs to see that. <laughs> per, but per Ken Palm, bottom in the three hundreds in terms of tempo. Damn, wow. Yeah, so really slow tempo, defensive centric, and offense needs some work. Yeah, the defense. I mean, look from the eye test I saw, I was pretty impressed with the defense. Like we seem to be, we seem to be covering pretty well. Uh, I do want to give a huge shout-out to most outstanding player of the tournament, Dada. Demir Cosby Roundtree does a great job around the rim. As always. As he always. is great around the rim. Yeah. Great job around the rim. Great job Pretty around huge. the rim. He Pretty really huge. does a good job at the rim. Uh, in all seriousness, he was phenomenal in the championship game. He was terrific the entire tournament. The entire tournament, which is why he got the award. It was so watching the game, and you know, I'm watching their warm ups, and the Florida State Center is seven foot four. Now, he's one of these seven foot four guys who he's not super skinny, right? So he's got some girth on him. And I'm thinking, holy shit, you know, he's got what, six inches on Dada, which is crazy. And Dada dropped a nice little hook, baby hook, oh, sky hook over him early in the game. Guy had no idea what was coming. He also blocked, blocked him. Multiple of his oh shots. Oh my gosh. It yeah. was Demir so Kazi good. Demir total beast. Demir Kazi has made the jump. Absolutely made the jump. My favorite Dada play of the tournament. Dada gets a steal, runs the fast break, and throws down a two-handed slam yeah. against Florida State. That was, I was like, crazy. What is this? I loved it. Yeah. Loved that goes it. into a point is everyone plays point guard on this team. Oh my god. <laughs> oh Everyone, my god. Javon except Javon Quinterly. <laughs> Everybody plays point except Javon Quinterly. You could be a point guard. You could be a point guard. You could be a point guard. No, sit the fuck down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, uh, wait. L- let's talk about that for a minute. Because while Jay has created the, the aura of guard you and initiated, we're running three point guards, we're running the four guard offense. He brought everyone into. He brought college basketball into small ball basketball. He's now said, "Nope, no, the no point guard offense. No point guard offense." <laughs> there were literally multiple times in the game where we had no point guards on the floor, and we're not saying, "Oh, we had no point guards on the floor because Colin was playing point guard." No, we had Pascal and Cremo bringing up the ball and there, Bay and Bay. Like there were no point guards on the floor. So big is back, baby. Big is back. Big is Bigger back. is better. Fuck small ball. They're going to play big this year. Jumbo package is in. Watch. Watch. Two years from now, the Golden State Warriors are going jumbo package. All game, baby. They're going to sign AD. They're going to bring in... Who's another big man in the NBA? I don't even know. I don't watch that much NBA. Anyway, yeah. We're Amari bringing... Spellman. Amari Spellman. Yeah, exactly. There we go. But yeah, in all seriousness, that was pretty weird to see. It made me a little nervous, but the game didn't fall apart. Shockingly, when that yeah. happened, the first half was definitely dicey. Like someone, I tweeted out, "Oh, like the team looks so much better. This is like great in comparison to last week," which is all I was saying, which is true. Yeah, which is objectively true. And someone was like, "This looks good to you." Like 
the team barely can get the it's a it's a coin flip to get the ball over half court on Twitter. And I was like, yeah, and that looks better than last week. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it absolutely looks better than but, last week. Yeah. But that being said, it would be helpful. You know, if we could just find a point guard mm-hmm. somewhere on this team that could bring the ball <laughs> up on half court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say, Eric had to do that way too often yes. for my comfort level. I was like, look, you know, even last year, like, well, we had some big men. Hey, they come, they're a release valve on the inbounds pass. It was very often inbounds in the floors. Grad, you bought that up. Oh, God. Jay Wright is the most feast or famine inbounds coach of all time. Of all time. Easily. Easily. It's one way or the other. We are either going to the Final Four winning a national championship or throwing the ball, Hail Mary, and hoping our team catches it. No, Just I, so we can play half-court offense I, for 20 seconds. I think it's basically it basically boils down to, is it March? Yes. Okay, I have a great inbounds play drawn up. Is it not March or April? I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm hiding them. Why do we have to inbound the basketball? <laughs> whoa, 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 guys. Come on, come on. We yeah. said we'd hold off on this. Like, <laughs> in all seriousness, it's, it's so true. It's so true. But look, we survived. We survived a, a good Florida State Florida team. State made it to the Elite Eight last year. Yeah. And they returned most of their team. Mm-hmm. So this is no slouch Florida State team. This is going to be a good Florida State team that is going to compete in the upper half of an extremely strong ACC. It's athletic. It's a type of team that should have bothered a team like ours, and it didn't. Yeah. And we got through it, and we won the game. And that was huge. Huge for morale and huge for this young season to pick up three wins in Orlando – what looked like it could have been, we could have been looking at a record of under 500. Yeah. We are now walking in 5-2 and two to playing 0-7 LaSalle. Yeah. Which we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. But what a turnaround. I think it's, no, it's a great point. Um, and it's, it really is night and day. And like we talked about, I think on the last podcast, we talked about how we're trying to embrace watching this team grow. And... I think you saw that a lot, yeah, right? That's from, a really good point. From, from the, the two games prior to this, people are getting way more comfortable. Like, the rotation is starting to come into form. People are starting to understand their roles. One of the guys that really stood out to me that I'm I'm starting to get way more comfortable with is Cole Swider. Cole Swider. Autocorrect to Swisher. Oh, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, in all seriousness, guys, my Slack autocorrects Swider to Swisher, so it is Cole Swisher. We will now refer to him as Cole Swisher. And hopefully he turns into Cole Swisher. He's when not those done three that so much. Swishing. That is that is true. That's a it's a horrible pun, but we're gonna go Little with it. dad joke for you. Yes. Um <laughs> little dad joke, yeah. Cole Swisher, his handle is pretty <laughs> is pretty solid. Cole Swisher. We're going we're rolling absolutely with it. If he doesn't change his Instagram handle to Swisher He's missing out. His handle looks pretty solid. His defense is not bad. He drew a couple fouls where I was like, dude, just put up the ball. He like, I think he threw a couple people off his back. So like, I'm starting to feel more comfortable with Swider. Jay is clearly comfortable clearly. with Swider. He's he got him it. in there in end of game situations. Yeah. He's like, yeah, just go play. He's, yeah. he's doing a great job. We can't say enough about, Sadiq hey, baby. Bay. Hey, hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay. Good God. Man, I'm just like, man. he's just the greatest player to ever grace this program. He is the single best player, the single best freshman ever to play at Villanova. Yeah. By the way, we only mean this partially ironically. I just want to be 100% clear. We actually are seriously out of control obsessed with Sadiq Bey. We're pretty obsessed. He does have a line drive for a shot, but we're still pretty obsessed. Hit a big three towards the back end of that game. Yes, he basically just kind of like baseball threw it in the hoop at this yeah, point. Yeah, he kind of has like a Scotty Reynolds three-pointer. Yeah, but it, but it goes in. It goes in. Hey, if it so goes in. It goes in enough. Right, exactly. Yeah. Sadiq Bey is question. And honestly, I was just thinking about this. He's now starting. That was a big change this tournament is that Jay went and said, you know what, Jermaine Samuels out of the starting lineup, back in the rotation a bit, Sadiq Bey – in the starting lineup, understands our switching defense, rebounds with ferociousness. Yes. And can get up and dunk, can shoot the basketball, and can apparently dribble up the court. So, <laughs> yes. Sadiq Bey is really, I mean, Jay's fallen in love with him. Yeah. And 
I just I get it. It makes perfect sense. Sadiq Bay, like I don't know if there's an example though of a of a freshman who has gotten this much burn this early given his rate. It's so funny juxtaposing oh, g- him. Given, given it, I want to clarify. You said given his rank. You're actually given right. his rank. Because he was ranked like 130 or so coming yeah, in. Yeah, he right was now. a late pickup, borderline three, four-star guy. And it's almost like a total juxtaposition with um, with Quinterly, yeah. who was five-star, top 30, expected to make an immediate impact. And it's like role reversal. It's like the rankings were like totally off. Yeah. But, but I mean, that's the thing, right? You're great in high school kids. So there's definitely like a, a range of error there. I, I will say, I, I saw an ESPN mock NBA draft this week. It did have Sadiq Bey around 15 or so mm-hmm. in the 2019 draft. So he's probably one and done at this point. So enjoy him while he lasts. Yeah. And um, yeah. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Sadiq Bey, lottery pick next year. I'm just kidding. He's, he's yeah. not going to. We, we love him. He's not going to be a lottery pick. But, but I do want to come back to your point, though. On We're excited, obviously. We're excited because after those two games the last week, Michigan and Furman, we lowered our expectations. Yep. And we encouraged all of you to do the same. Yep. And the reason why we did that is because it was very clear early on that this team is going to be very much a work in progress. We thought that would be the case regardless, but we didn't realize the extent of the work in progress that this team would be. And it's really exciting to see young players and young teams overall come along grow into their form, become Villanova basketball players, embrace the attitude, embrace the culture of the program, and again, formulate something that is greater than the sum of their parts. Yeah, for sure. And this weekend, I was actually surprised by how quickly it came together. It definitely came together. It's fun to see this. The team is is definitely starting to coalesce. I mean, you saw it on their social, social media accounts. These guys were starting to have fun again. It was obviously a tough week. They definitely enjoyed the win, and I'm excited to see where it can go. We know there's still going to be a lot of ups and downs. We've got we've got a tough game against Kansas coming up in a few weeks. It's not going to be easy by any means. Uh, big Five, people, they probably smell a little bit of blood. I'm sure they do. So the Big Five, who has just gotten absolutely fucking pounded by us the last several years, is probably thinking, this is our chance to finally knock off Nova. This is definitely what LaSalle's thinking. Just kidding. Yeah. No. So, so we're definitely going to have a, a, a handful coming up. We have four rivalry games, then we got KU, and then we got UConn. So there's still a lot to grow. But now, after a really positive week, Jay has a full week of practice ahead of us, and we get to see more growth. And this is fun about a young team. You reset your expectations to not being a top 10 type team. Yeah. And you get to see them develop and progress throughout the season. Absolutely. Sadiq Bey, already a starter. Yeah. Swider has carved out a role in this team. Slater, question mark, we don't know. Slater, question Still mark, we question don't mark. know. Quinterly is obviously the hot topic, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Yeah. Um, Cremo is clearly starting to feel a little bit more comfortable after playing three games in four days. Starting to get a little bit more aggressive. I'm just waiting for that face mask to come off. I, I'm, but I firmly believe that the face mask comes off and the shots are going to go down. I, I don't think you're wrong. Like, Omari had to deal with it a little bit last year, too. It's Clearly, I couldn't even. I've never played with a face mask, but it's got to be a pain in the ass, right? Like it impacts your vision, it impacts how you move, everything. Like he keeps getting bumped, people are pulling on it. It's clearly a hindrance. Yeah. So you got all of that, yeah. and then once those guys start to take a little bit more form, watch out because that'll open up the floor for Booth and Pascal, who's who are uh, who are attracting all the attention. Literally right all of the attention. Yeah. So you saw it live. Yeah. Like, it probably is a lot more apparent live how much more attention Booth and Pascal get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, I think people watching on TV see it too. I think Eric and Phil are still trying to push a little bit and still feel like there's a lot of burden on them. The nice thing is that we saw, especially in this last game, you've got Colin and you've got Dada who were able to step up and say, hey, look, somebody else can be the engine that's really going to make this team go, which hopefully takes a little bit of that burden off. I think both both Phil and Eric are still pressing a little bit at this point. Look, we need them to be big players, but we don't want them to be the sole focus. That's if if they're the sole focus, it's not going to be a successful team this year. So there's two people we got to talk about. We'd be remiss if we don't talk about. It. And one is Jermaine Samuels, and the other is Dylan Painter. And the other is Dylan Painter. Yes, the artist. R.I.P. R.I.P. 
In any, in any case, yes. <laughs> Samuels and... Samuels and Javon Quinn. Yes. So I think people are seeing still that Jermaine Samuels is still struggling to figure out what we're doing, find his place, etc. He's clearly advanced defensively versus where he was last Way year. Way better. Way, Way better. better than he was yeah. defensively last year. He's still got big ups. He's still strong. He's still well built so he can get up, get rebounds, etc. Lost on offense. His shot doesn't look developed. Always seems to dribble and pass into trouble. He's just really struggling in several respects. And even defensively, even though I would say man-on-man, he's a pretty solid defender because he can move. Jay's switching defense, still struggling with that too. Yeah, I mean, I would say defensively it was interesting to see how Jay used him because Jay's clearly made a decision that I am not playing Eric at the five, period. It doesn't matter what happens. He will not be Dean up against the opposing team center. And what you saw is that in the Florida State game, he put Samuels at the five. And Samuels is... Yeah, when he had to spell round, Cosby yep. Roundtree, he put Samuels in he there. He put Samuels at the he five. He put Bay in there. Yep. Yeah. So, it, and to your point, Samuels, I think, looks... He looks very serviceable on defense. I have no issue with him there defensively. It's really on the offensive end that he's struggling. I'm glad he's still taking a shot. Look, people can have a slow start to the year. If you told Pascal last year to stop shooting after the first 10 games, you would have missed out on all the upside later on. So... I'm still optimistic his shot can fall. The issue I have is, is the one point you brought up is him driving. He dribbles. He constantly turns the ball over and or isn't clear what he's doing with it. And that, to me, is a cause for concern. Clearly, Jay's seen it. He's pulled him back in that rotation. He's he's definitely decreased the minutes. Like I want Samuels to be successful. He can definitely be an asset to this team. I think he just needs to figure out kind of what his role is going to be in this. Yeah, game. we saw a game last year where in DePaul he almost had a double double. Yeah. I mean, it was against DePaul. And then he broke his hand. And then he broke his hand. <laughs> Unfortunately. That yeah. yeah. So, that was really shitty timing for him. I feel bad for him. Yeah, because you just got the sense that he was starting to click. Literally, it was all coming together. And it's like, and he broke his hand. Of course, everyone broke their hand last year, but regardless. So. I think with Samuels, I see the fan base starting to get pretty impatient with him. I get that. My only corollary that I'm going to point out is Dwayne Anderson. Hmm, interesting. Who is a coach on this team. Yeah. And I'm glad he's a coach on this team. When, when, when Jay brought wow, that's Dwayne, a great point. When Jay brought Dwayne in, which not an exact prototype player to Samuels, but similar enough. Not dissimilar. No, yeah. not dissimilar. Like, Jay had an honest conversation with Dwayne Anderson being like, hey, man, if, you, if you're either going to get it or you're not. Yeah. And you got to make a decision about your future because you just not if you don't get it, you're not going to see much future here. To be clear, Dwayne Anderson basically didn't see the court his, his first, first two, two years. years. Exactly. Like, at all. Exactly. Right? He's now on the bench. And I have to imagine that one of the reasons why Jay was excited to bring him in is just exactly because of Jermaine Samuels. Yeah. And so when I liken the career, Jermaine's actually seen a little bit more of the court. Now, Dwayne Anderson, everyone was like, this kid's got transfer. This kid's not going to get it. Like, what is he doing? He's taking up a roster spot, blah, 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 whatever. Then Dwayne Anderson came back junior year, bought in a little bit more. It started to click a little bit. And then... He became the reason why that team made the Sweet 16. Not the only reason, right? One of the reasons why that team made the Sweet 16. He was like the attitude guy plus. Shot started to fall a little bit, played with a lot more confidence, made all the hustle plays, did the garbage around the rim. Absolutely. Et cetera. And then became a big reason why the program made the Jays' first Final Four while we are in in the Jay Wright era. Yeah. So that was huge. For for Jay, the having Dwayne Anderson on the team and around Jermaine Samuels, I really feel like can provide Jermaine the comfort he needs to know. Hey, man, you can still have a really positive, productive career at Villanova. Yeah. And if Jermaine Samuels can somehow find his way, turn it on. This kid physically has the tools. Yeah. This kid, I think, could be pretty good here. Hard to say this early on, especially what we've seen has not been good. I want to be clear on that. It's not been good. And I think Jermaine Samuels would tell you the same thing. But with Dwayne's tutelage 
and coaching him up and keeping him on the right track with Jay Wright and the program and the culture around the program, I genuinely believe that Jermaine Samuels can turn into something pretty special relative to what he is right now. Yeah, I like that take. And yeah, I mean, Dwayne Anderson ended up delivering one of the plays that you and I always talk about as so iconic in that 2009 run. This is the uh, the UCLA the dive, dive when you're up 20 points, right? Yeah. That's, right. that's Villanova basketball right there. So I love it. It's a, it's a great comparison. So I think that's Jermaine Samuels. Should we talk about the elephant in the room? Javon Quinterly. He's right here. Let's talk. No, he's not right here. Yeah. Um, hey, Javon. Hey, Javon. What the fuck's going on? What's <laughs> yeah. going on, man? Hey, man. <laughs> um, no, so I, yeah, we, we'd be remiss to not talk about Javon Quinterly. Yeah. Obviously, Jay Wright would love to work for him as an employer. Reason being... On my birthday, I hope I get off too. Oh. Which, which to be clear, for those of you who don't know, uh, Sunday was Javon's birthday, and he got a did not play. I did not play. Yeah. He got the day off. Jay gave him the day off. Jay gave him the day off. He said, hey, man, really appreciate all your effort. Great attitude. Love it, man. It's your birthday. Why don't you take the day? Take oh, the day. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> Look, I don't want to pound this kid. No, no, no. So... Jay had an interesting piece in which he got interviewed by Seth Davis from uh, The Athletic. Yeah. And so Jay got asked the question, what's going on with Javon Quinterly? He's not playing yet. He's, you haven't worked him in really, etc. And Jay's response was essentially, hey, look, we're struggling. He's, he's taking a little bit of time to come along in the program. Yeah. And he's got a great attitude. He's getting better. He's working through it, etc. But he's just taking a little bit more time than we originally had expected. Yeah. That's what Jay had to say. That was it. Jay boiled it down to as simple as that. Is there possibly something else going on that Jay's protecting from the fan Jay's protecting Javon from the fan base on? Maybe. You're Maybe. left to speculate. Everyone's left to speculate. Yeah. You gotta speculate. It's what fans do. It's part of being a fan. Right? But Jay, take him at his word is saying, look, he's just not there yet, and we're trying to work him in, we think we can get him there, etc. He's coming along, and he's got a great attitude and a great approach. Provided that that is all 100% accurate and complete, then everyone just needs to exercise a little bit of patience. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's right. Like, While he was obviously a five-star recruit coming in, in the limited playing time that he's gotten, we haven't seen a brilliant point guard take the floor. Right. It's we, not even like Malcolm Grant right. back like 10 years ago who put up 22 against LSU. And was never seen from again. And was never seen <laughs> and transferred. Quickly transferred. He basically put up 22 against LSU. It was like, yeah, I'm gone. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it, it's not a Malcolm Grant type situation. So yeah, we haven't seen those flashes of brilliance quite yet. We've seen some insights into what Javon can bring to the table. You and I are both very much the same opinion. We said this last podcast, we want to see more Quinterly. He obviously isn't to the point yet where he should be playing 20 minutes a game. And clearly with the last couple games, Jay put out a game plan that said, hey, we can win and we have enough pieces to get it done with Colin and Phil. And evidently, the game down. Slowing the game down. And evidently Sadiq Bey running the point guard too. You know, that's fine, whatever it is. <laughs> so he's saying we can get it done with some other people. You and I both want to see him work in at this point because i think frankly if if we get to march and we only have two ball handlers there's gonna come a game against good competition where colin or phil is in foul trouble and we're down to one of them and people are either going to be tired or somebody else is going to get in foul trouble and we're going to need somebody else to step in to be able to run the offense to be able to create to take some pressure off some of the other pieces and that's why i want to see javon get worked in, start to get a few minutes, and hopefully what we see this week, we've got some bad competition coming up. I want to see him get those minutes coming in. Yeah. We want to see more minutes for Quinterly, and I think my take now is more we want Quinterly to make sure he's earning those minutes and develops as a player so he comes along and, and becomes a terrific player in this program. Yeah. We want nothing but success for Javon Quinterly. To your point, what I think this week did – was Jay Wright raised the floor of what this team can be. Yeah. But Quinterly is how you raise the ceiling of what this team I can like be. I like that, yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. So so 
the floor looked pretty fucking low after Michigan and Furman. But now the ceiling is the roof. Which I said Michigan was going to. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but I said Michigan was going to be the best defense that we're going to see all year. And Michigan, sure as shit, is rated number one defensively in Ken Palm. So Michigan is excellent. Yeah. Right? Florida State was also really good defensively. We just elevated our defensive play and slowed down our tempo to match and play with that team. Yeah. Right? So that was huge. But but Jay raised the floor of this team by slowing down the tempo, playing under control, like getting the offense better, passing, making the extra pass, etc. That stuff was all missing last week. Eliminating the solo ball play, etc. that was that Booth and Pascal were overplaying and then really tightening the screws defensively. Basically said this team is this team has got to be a slug fest, slug it out, slow tempo team in order to become special. The ceiling though really needs to be if the ceiling if we're going to get anywhere close to the ceiling if we're going to be a surprise elite eight type team this year, which I think might be the ultimate ceiling of this team possibly, right? Quinterly has has got to become a has got to establish a place because this team does need a point guard. Yes. Right? And we don't even play role player minutes, 15 20 and, minutes. And he brings something very he brings something totally different to the table that no one else can bring. He can break people down. He's got that quick burst of speed and it's something that as much as we love Colin and he did a phenomenal job this weekend he was absolutely on fire in the championship game Quinterly just brings something a different skill set to that table so we want to have you want to have that that chess piece to be able to play and make that yeah. move. so we joke we laugh etc and look we get it but we want to see more Quinterly yeah but we only at the benefit of the doubt of Jay Wright yeah so that's our middle of the road take here in the overall big Quinterly freak out that is happening across his fan base. <laughs> Absolutely. No, All that's right. good. So what do you want to do? You want to take a quick break? Let's take a quick break. And then yeah. let's get back into talk about what else is going on. I love it. Perfect. All right, guys. Stay tuned. We're going to take a quick word from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. It's Chris from The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. Nova Insider is the best place to go. For all things related to Villanova basketball news, check them out on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm telling you, it's the best place to go if you're looking for inside Nova info. Also, don't forget to check out their website, NovaInsider1985.com for some seriously awesome gear. Stay with these guys. They got some really exciting stuff coming out. Again, this is the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. And now let's get back to the show. All right, everyone. Welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. It's exciting to be back. We just spent a whole first half of the podcast talking about how we're excited. The team is coming along, etc. And now we're going to look forward to our next opponent, which is the LaSalle Explorers. And they are phenomenal. They are phenomenally bad. They're fucking horrible. They are Owen seven. a million. Owen seven. Owen a million. Owen a million. <laughs> Owen a million. Looking really ugly. They fired Dr. John Giannini, who I always thought that it was like fucking ridiculous that they had a coach who who only went by doctor. Who went by doctor? Yeah. What a douche. Yeah. <laughs> It's so weird. So they hired Ashley Howard, which shouts to Ash. Hey, Ash. Assistant coach on a team, won two national championships with us. It's pretty good. Great hire by LaSalle, universally applauded, having a rough start early on at LaSalle. He's still got to build the program up. Dr. John left it in shambles. This is what happens when you have to build a program around a guy named Pookie Powell. Yeah. So, yeah. So, let's just start there. <laughs> LaSalle's best player is Pookie Powell. Pookie Powell. Pookie Powell. So, last year, if you listened, we, we told you to look out for Max Struess. The Struess is loose on DePaul. So this year, you need to look out for Pookie Powell. Struess is still loose. On the Struess is still loose. The yeah. Struess has finally gotten some respect, for sure. Yeah. But Pookie Powell. Pookie Powell. Pookie Powell. Yeah. On the sal is their best player, if an 0-7 team can have a best anything. I mean, yeah. yeah. He's, he, I guess he's serviceable. And this game is would going he, would to he be... Would he play more than JQ? 
This team is a perfect litmus test to see if Jay is going to continue to bring along a guy like a Quinterly and get him some burn in the games. Yeah. Right? 0 17. We're playing it at the Palestra. We'll get to that in a second. But 0 17, is Javon Quinterly going to see the floor? Yeah. That is the should be the biggest question on people's minds. If he does see, I'm not talking about significant burn, right? Like I'm not saying that this kid's going to see 20 minutes. Jay has established his starting rotation. I think that he's going to stick with the same starters as he I had in think, Orlando, yeah. unless there's some like weird like technicality, like someone like didn't wake up on time or didn't report on time or yeah, whatever, it some is. other bullshit, right? I think that we're going to see the same starting lineup. I think you're going to see a lot of. Cremo, and I think you're going to see a lot of Swider, right? Interesting to see what happens with Samuels. Yep. Right, and then and then and then what's going to happen with Javon Quinterly? Yeah. And can Jay get more time for Samuels and Quinterly to try and get these guys some in-game experience? Look, the real development happens in practice, but some in-game experience would be good for sure. And this is the type of game where you think that we should be able to establish ourselves early with our starters. And be able to hand the hand the game off to our lower tier players. It's not the right word for it, but in the lack of a better term, our the, lower the tier players. The guys lower in the rotation. Yeah, yeah, the guys lower in the rotation to see if Jay is going to get them some game time to, to play. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's really the only question in this game. This should be a win. Should be a slam dunk. Yeah. It's the only game we have this week. The, and, the team has off. They basically get to come home, relax a little bit because they worked all over the holiday. So hopefully they recover. They get the good practice in. And they come out and dominate us out. Jay picked a good year to get the big five schedule where we have two home games and two pseudo-neutral side games. Because we have two games at home, one versus Temple and one versus St. Joe's. And then the other two games are, well, are at the Palestra. Mm. One versus LaSalle on Saturday at 3 o'clock and one versus UPenn on Tuesday the 11th. Going to be interesting to play both games there. Obviously, Palestra's UPenn's home court. Sure. LaSalle is playing there as like a favor. I don't, I don't, I don't exactly know. know why. Are they rent? I, I don't even know why they're playing there. But believe it or not, we're not tied in that closely to the LaSalle basketball program. Yeah. Shocking as that may be. Yeah. So the question is, is like, if we're playing at the, at the Palestra, everyone always talks about oh, this is a historic venue. This is such a big deal. Playing at the Palestra is amazing and blah, blah, blah. I've seen some games at the Palestra. I had fun there. I thought it was pretty incredible atmosphere. It could get really going because it's like, look, it's a hot box high school. Yeah, but but it's LaSalle. Arena. But it's LaSalle. It's a it's a shit LaSalle team and yeah. it's a down Villanova year. Is the Palestra though? Is the Palestra overrated? I mean, I think it's rated. I think it's rated. I don't think it's overrated. Media types make it out to be God's so, gift so, to so, college so, basketball. So here, here's here's the difference, right? The is media that, types. The media types. We're media types now. Um, here's I think the the catch is that if you put two good solid teams in an environment like that with the history and the fact that it's small and the fact that it's set up to be one fan base versus the other it can absolutely live up to the hype i think the issue is though that you often see these matchups that are big five matchups where we've just romped all over the big five where you've got one good team and yes they're historic rivals but recently a bunch of teams that aren't that good that it just doesn't create that much of an environment right so if you put, like, I think, was it last year Michigan State played there, right? It's like, why couldn't we play Michigan State there? If you had put us in Michigan State there, yeah, like that would have been awesome to see. But that's not the way it is. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, look, I think the Palestra, I think we can come back to the Palestra debate a little bit more after UPenn, around the UPenn game. But interested to get people's thoughts here. What do you think of the Palestra? Overrated, underrated, rated? Where do you rank the Palestra? Question for the question for the listeners on the pod. Tweet at us at the full forty. Let us know what you think. Is the Palestra overrated, underrated, or rated? We'll give you a free T-shirt if you respond. Yes. Just kidding. We won't. We promised that last year. We still owe a few people T-shirts. We're gonna give them free T-shirts. We just gotta make them. Rob said he was gonna make them. Rob said that my design sucked. It sucked. Rob said that my design. All our, all my freaking design was was the effing logo. Oh my god, and the disaster on the back. But anyway, we can debate this off the podcast. No, on the podcast, oh my god. Rob decided that my logo 
shirt was terrible. All right, here's what we'll do. We'll put it. We're gonna we're gonna post it on Twitter. We're gonna post your design on Twitter and see how many people want it. All right, I'm down. All right, let's do it. Done. Versus your shitty design. Okay, perfect. Okay, we'll do that. Done. All right, done. Keep so those who want free T-shirts, check us out on Twitter at the full forty. We might also throw it up on Insta. We'll see. Rob's wife is the Instagram manager. We'll have to run it by her. <laughs> she as still Ro- never listened to the podcast. As Rob, as, as Rob has to run everything by her anyway. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah, Rob's gonna have to leave my apartment soon because it's almost past his bedtime. That's very. That's one hundred percent true. And I still yeah. have to edit this shit. So <laughs> whatever. So anyway, the next topic is. I think we got to get back to the heart monitor. We haven't done a heart monitor segment in forever. We have not. Let's do. Let's do a little heart monitor. And and Rob, so those who haven't seen Rob need to check it out. Rob is wearing a Chicago Bulls Archie Diacono City jersey in celebration of the fact that Ryan Archie Diacono has now become a folk hero. Yeah. In Greater Chicago. He's a starter. He has started the past, I don't know what, seven games also on this jersey. I'm pretty sure Arch has this jersey. Maybe his mother has this jersey. And I have this jersey. I'm pretty sure no one else yeah. bought this People jersey. People definitely bought the Chicago City jersey because it's tight. It's pretty tight. Yeah. But no one bought the Ryan R.J. Diacono no Chicago one. Bulls it's City number, jersey. It's number 51, which like we know he did it because he had to give up 15 this year. It's a random-ass number. Like It is a fucking sick jersey, though. I'm yeah. pretty pumped about it. But nobody else owns this. It's awesome. No one owns that. If you happen to own it, Definitely let us know. I'd be really curious. Yeah. So anyway, so Archie Diakono has been absolutely outstanding. Yeah. And last night was maybe the king of it all. He's diving everywhere. He's got like 20 plus points. Yep. Career high 22. Yeah. Making all kinds of three pointers, like dropping dimes. The kid has been on fire. What a dramatic turn of events. This kid is doing all of this. After escaping the bed bugs of the jury. Yes. Yes. I, I think that's probably what motivated him. He's like, I got tired of the bed bugs and I needed to make the jump. Just to be clear, if you didn't listen previously, Rob asserted on a previous podcast that in the G League, you stay in bed bug written hotels. <laughs> I will stand by that assertion. And then we jumped appropriately, I would add, to conclusions to just say that. All G League players have a case of the bed bugs. Yes. One form or the other. Yes. Yeah. So Darren Hilliard, no longer, he's now in Europe, but was in the G League. Why do you think he left? Bed, bed bugs. bugs. Yeah. Duh. Only reason. Yeah. That's it. Right? That's literally the only reason you would leave, leave the G League. Right. So if you're in the G League, you have bed bugs. Ryan Archidiakono, two-way contract, now almost full-time with the Bulls, starting with the Bulls. Bulls aren't a great team, but he's starting. His teammates fucking adore him. Yeah. Right? Like... In Chicago, Ryan Archidiakono has approached the level that Matthew Dellavedova approached around the playoffs in LeBron's first year in Cleveland. Oh, wow. Great comparison. I thought you were going to go with a different M player by the name of Michael Jordan because I think he's close. I think he's actually past Dellavedova and is getting close to statuesque level in the city of Chicago. It's that good right now. Yeah. Oh, they love him. They love him. They love him. Chicago's got it going on a little bit. They got Khalil Mack with the Bears. They got shit going on. Their Bulls <laughs> suck, but they got Ryan Archie Diacono. Yeah, it's it's. I'm very curious. Like best athletes in Chicago right now: Khalil Mack, Ryan Archie Diacono. Ryan Archie Diacono. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, huge shout out to to Arch. He is killing it right now. It's a lot of fun to see him do so well. He's just grown from. Just straight G League his first year, little bit of run last year with the Bulls full time, and then getting a lot more playing time. Hey, he's benefited from some of the injuries, but he's clearly proven that he belongs on an NBA team. Hey, look, an opportunity comes knocking, you take advantage. That's absolutely right. And that's what Ryan's done. Yes. So kudos to him. Love it. Love seeing him do well. So we're going to transition from player who is unexpectedly doing well to a player we always expect to do well, which is Kyle Lowry. Kyle. 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 Kyle has been killing it with the Raptors. Still one of the best teams in the league. Yep. And Kyle has been leading this along with um, Kawhi Leonard. So 
I don't know if you guys saw, but Kyle Lowry had just an incredible logo three-pointer against the Miami Heat the other day. It was so ridiculous. He basically did what Chris Jenkins did in the Sweet 16 versus Miami, where Chris Jenkins was just like, yeah, all right, fuck it. I'm going to shoot. Well, Jenkins, shot clock is running out. Yeah, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, gonna chuck say, it from the logo. Jenkins at least had the shot clock running down. Yeah, but the defender wasn't out on him. Yeah, <laughs> but Kyle, Kyle was like, no, I still got time on the shot clock. I'm just gonna shoot it. From yeah, there. they left him wide open from the logo. <laughs> yeah, and not like the logo on like the side. Right? <laughs> like this is like the logo like for half court. It was pretty legit. Jacked it up, swish, buried it. Yeah, moving on. Yeah. Okay. So Kyle's, Kyle's been playing him. terrific. Yeah. He's been doing tons of good shit. Everyone like loves him. Toronto fans love him. He's been awesome. Quick transition to Mikhail. Yeah. So, man, this has been so funny. So the Sixers recently got uh, Jimmy Butler, and thank God. But Zaire Smith, who was the big trade that, that the Sixers traded for Mikhail Bridges, still hasn't played. Yeah, I mean, he had, so he had an injury. So, again, just to be clear, Sixers traded Mikael Bridges for Zaire Smith. Who, if you listen to this podcast, we appropriately called the Sixers a bunch of dicks. Yes. A bag of dicks, or do we call them a bunch of dicks? No, a bag of dicks is different. All right. A bag of dicks is defined as a baker's dozen of dicks. Okay. I didn't know uh, that, so thank a, you for They're just a bunch of dicks. Okay, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, so they traded on draft night. They trade Bridges for... Uh, Zaire Smith and a first round pick. So, like, fine, whatever. Zaire Smith, like you mentioned, has not played. He had an injury. I think it was an ankle injury. And then he had some, like, crazy allergic reaction to sesame seeds. Like, some weird thing. He had to have surgery, all this stuff. He's not expected to play this year. He lost 20 pounds. So, they're getting no return on Zaire Smith. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, Mikhail Bridges is starting with the Phoenix Suns. Looks awesome, and I believe has the highest plus-minus in, like, the entire league for a player. For rookies? For rookies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mikhail is playing fucking amazing. He's playing great. He's Not playing surprisingly. Yeah. Can shoot the three, lights out defender, inspector gadget arms. Yeah. Mikhail Bridges. Yes. It's been terrific, and... My favorite part of all of this is Philadelphia fan Twitter, who is just so angry about this. Yeah. They just cannot get over the fact that the Sixers... Like, every other tweet I read about the Sixers is, oh, man, could you imagine if there was only a guy who's played recently in, like, the Wells Fargo Center who can shoot the three and defend like hell and would love to play for this team? Because it's literally what the Sixers are missing. They need more shooters. Yeah. They're missing a shooter. They're missing a guy who can defend. They're missing a guy who, who clearly wants to be in Philadelphia. And, like, man, it's just, like, one piece, and they traded it away. They had it, and they traded it away. And it's hilarious to watch Philadelphia fans freak out about that. And, and Mikhail just rubbed it in their face. It was, like, a week or so ago when Phoenix was in Philadelphia and he had a great game. I think he had like 13 or something like that. Had a couple steals, a couple dunks, and it was just like, yep, you missed out on this. Yeah. Way to go. Fucking yeah. But yeah, it, synopsis, Mikhail's doing awesome. So he's cracked the starting lineup, like Chris said. He's actually come a long way. At the beginning of the season, they were saying, why isn't he getting more minutes? He's gotten the minutes now. He's starting. I love it. Keep it up, Mikhail. Yeah. Um, Amari's been fine. Everyone's yeah, been Dante's yeah. back from the injury. Yeah. So... Keep checking out the NBA. Our players are coming along. The one constant thing about all of our players, all of our guys in the league right now, is that everyone says, every one of their teammates, everyone around them says, man, I love playing with these guys. Everyone. All the PR is positive around uh, ex-Villanova guys. The other thing they say, I I saw this on the Mavericks thing, is did you know Jalen's dad played in the NBA? Yeah. And he went to Temple. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's what they say. I did not know that. that And then they say, man, it'd be really good if we can get Phil Booth in this league because I don't know if you guys know this, but he scored 20 points in the 2016 National Championship game. People forget that. People forget. All right. So real quick, let's just hit Big East Finally looks like it's turning the corner. <laughs> Along with us, it's funny. We said in the last podcast that the Big East is kind of like, we're kind of like a corollary for the Big East. Yeah. We had a good week, and Big East had a, a pretty solid feast week. Less of a dumpster fire. Yeah. Yeah, less of a dumpster fire. Georgetown, still a dumpster fire. <laughs> Absolutely still a dumpster fire. St. John's looks good. Yeah. Creighton got a big win against Clemson. Marquette beat Louisville. 
Although we're still not 100% sure on Marquette. I'm not buying Marquette yeah. yet. Yeah, definitely um, not buying Marquette yet. Seton Hall beat Miami. Beat Miami last night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. to win That's the true. wooden thing. Yeah, good for And, uh, yeah, so Big East looking like it's starting to come together. This is still not going to be a strong conference. No. But it is going to be a much – it's going to be a little bit better than what we thought it might be. I'm raising the over-under to four and a half for – Big East teams making the tournament. I'm still putting it three and a half. I don't. Th- I don't think we get five. There's no way. Um, but yeah, and so big games coming up this week. Creighton playing Gonzaga, so they're going to test how good that win against Clemson was. They're going to get smoked. By yeah, Gonzaga. Gonzaga beat Duke. <laughs> yeah, I don't so, know if you know, but Duke, Duke's a pretty good team. Yeah, Duke's got Zion Williamson. If you <laughs> who's, wait, wait, who's Zion wait, Williamson? Wait. Zion Williamson is the guy who literally every time we were watching a game for ESPN, our game versus Florida State, they would do a player profile, and it was always Zion Williamson. <laughs> it was never anyone else. It was never like Phil Booth or like one of the guys on Florida State. No, Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson would have had 20 points by now if he were playing for Villanova. Yeah. Alas. Um, but yeah, so Creighton playing Gonzaga. Seton Hall's got Louisville. Chris Mack is clearly just making the rounds of his old Big East foes. Yeah, I hope he gets fucking slaughtered. <laughs> wow, that's that's really dark. Yeah, boom. Um, Marquette plays K-State. It's another good team. So we can, again, test this theory. Is Marquette actually for real? I don't think they are. No. Marquette, working theory right now. Steve Wojciechowski, right? This is my hypothesis. Woj. Woj. Steve Wojciechowski can't win the big game. Reason being, over-the-top ridiculous, passionate, way over the top, and his team rides the highs and lows too much, and he cannot find balance. Mm. So he'll win a couple big games. It'll be exciting. But over the long course of his season, Steve Wojciechowski's Marquette Golden Eagles cannot rack up enough big-time wins mm. to make a really good NCAA profile and go deep in, in, in the tournament. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. All right, and then the last big game of the week in the Big East. This has got to be your marquee matchup. Georgetown continuing their tough scheduling run. They're playing Liberty. It doesn't get bigger than this. Patrick Ewing, if he knows one thing, it's scheduling. Like, these guys don't play anybody, man. It's crazy. Anyway, Georgetown sucks. They always suck. Whatever. Um, So that's what we've got coming up in the Big East. We've got our game against LaSalle on Saturday. We don't play then again until, Until I think, Wednesday. Wednesday Wednesday versus Temple. So we'll be back after the LaSalle game. Yep. With a new podcast. Woo! So check us out then. Um, anyway, appreciate the listens. Keep following us. Follow us on Twitter, at the full 40 Instagram, same handle. Check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, um, Spotify, Spotify, Apple, Apple, Google, Google Play. Literally everything. Literally everything other than Audio Boom. Yeah. Literally everything other than YouTube. <laughs> Because Evan asked us to, and we're not doing whatever. We're not doing that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So screw that. All right. So enjoy the week. Little week off. A lot of practice. Jay's going to have these guys even more coached up. Going to be interested to see what happens against LaSalle on Saturday at 3 p.m. And check us out right after that. And as always, let's let's go go Nova. Nova.